You're listening to the Eagles Insider Podcast. Now here's your host, Chris McPherson. Hello, everyone, and indeed, it is another edition of the Eagles Insider Podcast. I am Chris McPherson. We are going to be delving into the Eagles and free agency. First, we'll have our three and out segment delving into three key topics that you need to know heading into free agency. And then we're going to get to your questions. Actually, it's not really questions. We actually solicited, as a great idea by our own Fran Duffy, your wish list for free agency. So we'll use that to kind of talk about different players and how they could potentially fit for the Eagles. So let's kick things off in our three and out. One, two, three, three. Three is a magic number. Three. Three. Now it's time for three and out. All right, and I am joined, as always, by Fran Duffy and Alex Smith. Gentlemen, uh, excited for the start of free agency. Uh, Fran, why don't you give us the uh, nuts and bolts of what fans can expect in the next couple of days? Well, well basically, Chris, what's going to happen is, is that by the time you're listening to this, we're, and we're recording this shortly before noon on Monday, on noon at noon on Monday, that begins the legal tampering period for NFL teams. So everyone around the league can start negotiating. They can't get into specifics, and they can't sign any deals – Correct. Mm-hmm. But teams can start working and talking with agents and players and teams, and so there's going to be lots of conversations that are going to be going on over the course of the next 48 hours, and then it all hits the fan uh, on Wednesday. <laughs> Wednesday at 4 p.m., we'll be able to see all the official news breaking. Uh, we remember last year a lot of reports from all around the league uh, of things that happened during the tampering period that did not come to fruition at the start of the actual league year, 4 p.m. on Wednesday. So it will be very interesting to see how much of the reports that we'll, we'll hear, all the different rumors and everything that's going to come out over the next couple of days, how much of that actually comes true on Wednesday afternoon. Yeah, Fran, you mentioned some of the reports that didn't happen, but a, a good amount of it does hold true when uh, teams can actually sign players. It's a good time to be on Twitter. It's a oh, good yeah. time to keep that Twitter feed going, whether it's you know agents putting stuff out there or teams putting stuff out there. Is, you know, they're all trying to negotiate and, and get the best deal for the best players. So it's a fun time, really it, fun time it, in the NFL year. No question it is. And then also – uh, this morning began the, the wave of cuts. You know, there were a lot of players that have been released from their contracts on Monday morning. So RG3 at the top of the list, former Redskins quarterback, former second overall pick. It'll be interesting to see where he ends up, and obviously a lot of Eagles fans are clamoring for him. I know we'll be talking about uh, Eagles fans and their free agent wish list later on in the show. Very much so. Uh, make sure to stay tuned to PhiladelphiaEagles.com and our mobile app for complete coverage, including our rumor mill where we will try our best to keep track of everything Eagles-related that will be discussed in the next couple of days leading into the start of free agency. Now, of course, Fran mentioned Robert Griffin III, but do the Eagles really need to address the quarterback position in free agency? Because they already took care of the big question of who will be the starter in 2016, and Alex, you have more on the Eagles signing a two-year deal with Sam Bradford. Right, and there's a really interesting column on NFL.com from Jeffrey Chadia where he thinks that Sam Bradford can have a lot of success under Doug Peterson, and he cites Alex Smith as a prime example of that. So I kind of went back and I went through their numbers uh, from where they were at at the exact same point in their careers and kind of compared the two. And uh, Alex Smith had seven years in San Francisco, barely had a winning record, 38-36-1. Touchdown-to-interception ratio wasn't great, but it, it wasn't terrible either. Didn't have a winning year in San Fran until 2011. That was his sixth season in the NFL. That year, the Niners went 13-3. and Smith, he only threw for 3,100 yards, but still, 
led them to thir the 13 and three record and took them on a, a deep run in the playoffs as well. So uh, one of the comparisons is that this will also be Sam Bradford's sixth season. And while last year finally was able to get to that 500 mark at seven and seven as a starter, was still hasn't been able to get uh, a winning record as a quarterback just yet. But another one of the interesting comparisons is that Smith's career year in 2011, that was Jim Harbaugh's first season with the Niners. I was going to ask you, when did Harbaugh come yeah, on board? It, it I figured... was the first season. So a, a new head coach, a new system. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, people say that, you know, there's going to be an adjustment period while he transitions into the new scheme and, you know, results may not come right away. But for Alex Smith, they did. It was just something where uh, a former quarterback and uh, Jim Harbaugh, a guy who's played the position, comes in and really Smith flourished under him. So, I think the same thing can happen with Sam Bradford under Doug Peterson. He mentioned it in his press conference how great it is that he's got a head coach who's played the position, who knows the game through the quarterback's eyes. So um, I think the comparison is really interesting. I think overall Bradford, at least physically, has more tools than Alex Smith does. So I think the Eagles offense could be molded to what Alex Smith did in Kansas City, a lot of screen passes and crossing and timing routes and things like that. But I also think that Sam Bradford gives you a more vertical, deep passing game than what Alex Smith can bring you. And I think one of the clearest indications of that, it goes back to Fran's Eagle Eye piece when the new coaching staff was hired, was Frank Wright coming in as the offensive coordinator. And the vertical concepts that they used in Kansas City with Phillip Rivers, I think you have a, a, a really good chance of seeing more of that with this Eagles offense and with Sam Bradford compared to what Alex Smith was able to do in Kansas City. But uh, I think the comparisons are definitely there. Yeah, it's it's funny. A lot of people crush Alex Smith for uh, you know for being a game manager, and you know he's not going to be a guy that's going to win you the Super Bowl. But you know when you have a quarterback that doesn't take unnecessary risk, that can be a really good thing if harnessed correctly, and if you're really trying to make the the most out of each drive, and especially when you have a great run game to go along with that. And you saw that in Kansas City, San Diego really struggled with that this year. That's mm -hmm. what that's part of the reason why they finished the way that they did. But when you look at the way Doug Peterson and Frank Reich have operated in the past, you look what Sam Bradford can bring to the table. It's it's exciting moving forward, especially uh, on this 2-year contract, something that works really really well for both sides of the of the bargaining table. Did Alex Smith and I think this is from one of your Eagle Eye pieces as well, didn't Alex Smith have to grow out of that quote-unquote game manager role after Jamal Charles got hurt? You know, I think that they definitely had to rely on him a little bit more. But I think one of the things that really stood out to me was watching that offense grow after Charles was hurt was that they, they threw everything out. You know, they, they, they did so many different things. It was such a multiple run game. And we talked about that with the Carolina Panthers and all the different things they do from a misdirection standpoint. I thought that Andy Reid and Peterson and that rest of that Kansas City staff did a really good job of putting Alex Smith in, in advantageous situations and really making the most of his skill set. I just love the fact that not only do you have Peterson, you have Frank Reich, but you have John DeFilippo, yeah. who's worked wonders. He worked with David Carr in Carr's amazing rookie season in Oakland before taking the job as the offensive coordinator in Cleveland last season. So these three guys know how to get the most out of quarterbacks. And I think one element of Bradford's game that will come to the forefront will be his mind mm -hmm. and his football IQ. Because with the way the Eagles offense was the previous three years under Chip Kelly – there wasn't a lot of flexibility to call out of plays. Now, you had the package play concepts, which would help you. If you saw one thing, you can go another direction. But we saw in that Week 17 game against the New York Giants, you know, that freedom to be able to audible at the line of scrimmage to decipher what you're seeing I think is going to be very important and just make Bradford that much more valuable 
in this offense. Right. Under Chip Kelly, you know, it was all tempo, tempo, tempo. So there really wasn't a lot of time for Bradford to get to the line, to, to analyze the defense and make a play off of that. There were a few times here or there where maybe it would change the direction of a play or something along those lines. But Bradford really didn't have that freedom until that last game under Pat Shermer. And I think that we saw that, you know, he had a pretty nice game in that finale. You know, there wasn't much on the line. But uh, I think Bradford proved himself really well that he, as you said, C-Mac, his mind is a, a really reliable part of his game. All right. So for my part of three and outs, uh, I want to pay tribute to Al Wister. Now, most fans don't know who he is. One of only nine players in franchise history to have his jersey number retired, his number 70, uh, passed away Saturday evening at the age of 95, an amazing life wow. to say the very least. But he was a fifth-round draft pick in 1943. Now, for those of you who may know a bit about Eagles history, 1943 was the year that the Eagles and the Pittsburgh Steelers combined to form the Steagles because World War II was taking place. Mm -hmm. And quite honestly, there just weren't that many NFL players around to be able to suit up. So whomever was left around, they tried to make the most of it. And in a piece that Ray Dinger uh, penned about the Steagles team, Wister was actually quoted as saying he's surprised they even had the league still at that point because of what was yeah. going on with the World War II. Uh, played his entire nine-year career in Philadelphia, retired at the young age of 31, it was an all-pro eight times in those nine seasons. He was a part of the three teams that went to the championship game, 47, 40, and 49, was a captain all three of those teams. And, of course, the Eagles won the last two, both in shutout fashion. No team has ever won back-to-back -back championship games by way of shutout. Wister was a two-way player, was an offensive and defensive tackle, um, Many people have said that you look at the players from that era, that Eagles post-war era, when you had players like Bednarik and Steve Van Buren, Pete Pios, and they're saying, why isn't Wister in the Hall of Fame? And I think that's something that Wister came to accept, but at the same time, he wondered why he didn't get the acclaim that some of these other players did. He was the first Eagle to ever have his jersey number retired. That happened promptly in 1952. Uh, Chairman and CEO Jeffrey Lurie did the right thing and put him in the team's Hall of Fame in 2009, a great celebration back then. Um, just a key piece of one of the great eras of Eagles history, and Ray Dinger did a piece for our site and mentioned back in 2008 when he was being inducted into the Philadelphia Sports Hall of Fame, Andy Reid was giving him a tour, and Wister's jersey hangs in the Novacare complex just outside the locker room, and Reed was introducing all the offensive linemen and, you know, some great names, Trey Thomas, John Runyon, Todd Harrimans, Jamal Jackson, was introducing all these guys to Wister. And Reed would be like, so how many times were you all pro? And Wister would be like eight times in nine seasons. And <laughs> these guys know just how difficult, you know, let alone Pro Bowl to be all pro, the best of the best of that time. So I think it's sort of fitting that as we pay tribute to one of the greatest players to ever play for the Philadelphia Eagles, it's at a position that is going to need to be addressed this offseason. And it could be addressed as early as this week in free agency, the offensive line. Mm -hmm. You know, we can talk about the quarterback. We can talk about the run game. We can talk about the receivers. The offensive line, which was so good in 2013, has taken the decline since then. And 
You can say it's because they haven't invested with any high draft picks, no draft picks, in fact, since Lane Johnson went fourth overall in 2013. But no matter what, the Eagles, look, they're expecting Jason Peters to bounce back at left tackle. They're expecting Jason Kelsey to work the center position after an up-and-down season. They're expecting you know, Lane Johnson to be the franchise guy at right tackle now and at some point down the road left tackle. But those two guard spots, whether you get improved play out of Alan Barber and Andrew Gardner or Matt Tobin, mm-hmm. who was offered an RFA tender, whether you use a high draft pick or you sign someone in free agency, they've got to get the offensive line right. And Doug Peterson has said that they need to take the pressure off the quarterback. Improving the offensive line will help do that. And Howie Roseman, the executive vice president of football operations, has said on the record that we need to improve the offensive line, and it's a priority yesterday. It's a priority today. It's a priority tomorrow. It's something that this team is going to aggressively address. It's now just a matter of who is it going to be and when is it going to be Does it start Wednesday at 4 p.m. when free agency hits. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be the, one of the interesting storylines for sure for this Eagles offseason is how hard they address the offensive line and whether it's through free agency or through the NFL draft. All right, so that'll do it for our three and out. Now it's time for your questions, actually your free agent wish list in mailing it Captain, out. incoming message. Please check your mailbox. A new message has arrived. And now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in our segment, Mailing it in. All right, so Fran had the great idea of instead of just saying, you know, what are your questions? Who do you want to see the Eagles target in free agency? And a lot of great responses on Twitter. I'm pretty much just going to go right down the timeline here. Yeah, and this was a really good idea, especially because um, if you look at all the Eagles mentions on Twitter, fans are just constantly, like, tagging the Eagles. Anytime any player gets released or they hit the free agent market, they're constantly tagging the Eagles. Eagles, pick them up. Sign them right away. It's it's constantly. Like, when the Robert Griffin III stuff happened earlier today, it's like – it's, it just keeps coming in and flooding in. So the fans certainly want to voice their opinion. So let's hear from some of these wish lists today. Uh, isn't it true? I was reading the story over the weekend, and the first player we're going to mention here, the safety from Cincinnati, George Aloka, that he has his DMs open Correct. on Twitter. Correct. So Eagles fans were directly going to him and saying, and you know, just making their case, hey, we've got the best cheesesteaks. Hey, we want you in Philly. Yeah. Uh, first one here, Mike DeLeo, at Mike DeLeo1 on Twitter, wants George Aloka and one of the starting guards under the age of 28, as well as wide receiver Marvin Jones. So a little Cincinnati flavor to Philadelphia. So maybe you could put some of that Skyline chili in one of the cheesesteaks <laughs> and mix go. it up or something. Well, I will say that, uh, yeah, it would be great to have a starting guard that's under 28, but... This, yeah, this was a very specific... It was very specific. Um, the thing with George Aloka is is that you have to decide how you want to play defense. Do you want to play with a free player and a strong player, someone that's going to always play near the line of scrimmage? Because if that's the case, George Aloka can do that uh, and do it at a high level. Now the question is, do you want those players to be interchangeable? And if that's the case, you may want to go a different direction. Aloka is very, very good coming forward, though. Okay. Uh, what about Marvin Jones? It seems like the Eagles are going to address wide receiver. Mm-hmm. The Eagles have not been shy about Doug Pierce and Howie Roseman. The question is, are they going to go for someone like Marvin Jones, who's going to be, with Alshon Jeffrey being tagged, pretty much right. at or near the top of the market here? Yeah, I'd, it's going to be really interesting to see how the Eagles spread out the, the remaining cap dollars that they have left. I think Marvin Jones is, is a really good wide receiver. I remember talking to Greg Cosell 
when we were filming our film room segments, and he said that Marvin Jones is basically the perfect number two wide receiver in the NFL. Now, at this point, you might say, well, who do the Eagles have as that number one, you know, to compliment him? And I think time will tell who that could be. But I think Marvin Jones does bring a lot to an offense, can be a vertical threat that the Eagles might be looking for. Um, so if the price was right, I think that would be a good fit. All right, next one comes from Manny Chang at Manny560Q. How about a Mario Williams? And, of course, I think everyone's going to be penciling former Jim Schwartz guys to the Eagles because of the scheme fit. And Williams had a great season in 2014 under Schwartz's guidance. The question is, another year older, you know, is he still a dynamic pass rusher? Plus, he's technically a free agent now. You can sign him now because he was released yep. by Buffalo, and he apparently already has some visits lined up. Right. Eagles have not been mentioned to this point. Yeah, and I think when you look at Mario Williams and you take this into account with any pass rusher that's on the market, you, you have Brandon Graham, you brought back Vinny Curry with, with that starter quality money, you have Connor Barwin making the transition, you know, you have Marcus Smith, the former first-round pick, almost making his last stand now to, to make this roster. That's four players right there. Where does the If you bring in a guy like Mario Williams, whose snaps are, is he taking? Where is he going to fit in the rotation? Yeah, I think you've already, Fran, like you mentioned, you've put a lot of money into that defensive line as well with – Vinny Carey getting the new contract uh, and all the talks about, you know, when is Fletcher Cox's deal going to get done and the money that he's going to require. So I think you've already kind of spread out money at that spot. It, it might be tough to fit a guy like Mary Williams into the mix. All right, next one comes from Good Life at Good Life on Twitter. How about Danny Trevathan, the linebacker from the Denver Broncos? And uh, Frank did a phenomenal piece for Eagle Eye on sub-package players and someone at Trevathan fits that role perfectly. Yeah, and a guy that I really liked a few years ago coming out of Kentucky, and he really is flourished with the Denver Broncos. I'd be surprised to see them let him go, but if he does, in fact, reach the open market you know, on Wednesday and it is available to sign, he's one of those guys that can play a number of different linebacker spots for. He could play Will, he could play Sam even potentially in most schemes, but his strength is his ability and coverage, his ability to play in space, and that kind of player would be a good fit in what they're trying to do on defense. The All problem right. is, is he's just going to be one of the best linebackers in the market, so yeah. the price tag will be high. Next one comes from Amazon. It's Amazon on Twitter. Uh, likes George Aloka, but also Rodney McLeod from the St. Louis, now Los Angeles Rams. Also adds RG3, Anquan Bolden, and a young starting guard like Jeff Allen from Kansas City, who, because of the Doug Peterson connection, sure. I'm sure a lot of people are going to link him to Philadelphia. Yeah, and Allen's an interesting name, and I would be really happy with that, you know, because you have a guy that obviously has experience with Doug Peterson and with uh, Eugene Chung and a number of the different uh, members of this coaching staff. And then also, you look at some of the other names he included there, you know, where is RG3 going to end up? I think mm -hmm. it's one of the biggest storylines of the offseason, and that reclamation project moving forward will be very, very fun to watch. Uh, you brought up George Loco, Rodney McLeod. I know Greg Cosell is very, very high on Rodney McLeod and the way that he's played with the Rams over the course of the last couple of years. Yeah, and RG3, uh, just really quick, I think RG3 mm -hmm. is a really interesting name to keep an eye on. Personally, I'm, I'm not ready to give up on him. I, I think a lot of fans out there around the NFL are, um, but I'm not. I think he's a really talented passer. I don't know if he's going to get a, a chance to start right away this year, but as you said, Fran, uh, really that project of building him back up is going to be really interesting to see where he lands, probably as a backup next year. Will he be willing to take that? That's going to be he's going to have a big to. question. That would, would, yeah. would be the assumption. Yeah. All right, uh, next one comes from at AlphaDog1995 on Twitter. Uh, some big names here, Malik Jackson, Kalichi Osmeli, Damon Harrison, and another defensive tackle as well. So. Uh, go one by one, starting with Malik Jackson, another player who you mentioned in that uh, sub-package piece. 
uh, player wasn't highly regarded coming out of Tennessee, but you know was a monster in the Super Bowl. You can argue he was the MVP of the yeah. game. Uh, certainly a disruptor along the defensive line, can play end, can play tackle, uh, can really serve well in a sub-package front, and, and really was very, very disruptive you know, for the Denver Broncos, especially in that Super Bowl uh, against the Carolina Panthers, a very, very impressive player. You, know, you have Snacks Harrison there. You have a couple players that are really interesting. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see them address the defensive tackle spot. You have said Thornton, who's a free agent. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with the transition to a 4-3, it wouldn't be surprising at all to see at least one player added uh, inside along the defensive line. All right, next one comes from Corey Petty, who goes by at Petty underscore Corey on Twitter. Uh, can they get Reggie Nelson, Cincinnati Bengals, and move Thurman back to corner? Be a very interesting move there. Uh, Nelson, a ball hawk at safety, you know, kind of – you mentioned how does Jim Schwartz want to utilize the safeties. You know, they pretty much had the center fielder there in Cincinnati and Nelson, and Aloko was a guy who was more of the box guy. I um, feel, feel like Nelson would fit more what Jim Schwartz would want to do, but the question is, again, age will come into factor, and mm-hmm. obviously with the market being what it is, he'll probably command a pretty good contract. Yeah, and I know Greg is really high on Reggie Nelson as well, and a guy who is a center fielder type, but really good instincts in the back end, great ball skills, great range from the safety position, a really impressive player. You know, and then it just comes down. I would, I would probably agree that Nelson would make more sense. I wouldn't be surprised. Again, you'll, you'll, we'll, we will find out how Jim Schwartz wants to play defense as we get through this offseason. We'll see the kind of players he brings in on the back end. Right, and I think the other big question is, what are the Eagles going to do with Eric Rowe? There's rumors flying out there that he may be moved to safety, and if he does, then you figure that with Rowe and Malcolm Jenkins that you're set with your starters at, at the safety position, then you're looking for a cornerback. So I think a, a lot of it is still yet to be answered, and one of the big questions is where does Eric Rowe fit into the piece, All into right. the puzzle? All right, we'll cut out for one more here. J.R. Willis goes by at Pencer76, one of our fans on Twitter. Uh, nice list here goes for Wallace Gilberry, Tahir Whitehead, Jeff Allen or Brandon Brooks, Rashard Matthews, and probably the most popular name, George Aloka. So a couple different guys, but uh, I'm sure you're quite fond of uh, one to hear Whitehead there, Fran. Sure, former Temple Owl. The, the, the great thing is obviously he played for Jim Schwartz, was drafted by Jim Schwartz out in Detroit, and he could play all three linebacker spots. So if you're looking for depth at the second level, to hear Whitehead can bring that. Rashard Matthews is a name we haven't talked about yet, and I think he's, he's really kind interesting. of – He's a sleeper at the receiver position on this market. And I know – I remember when we, when we were getting ready to play the Miami Dolphins – Earlier this fall, I was really impressed by Matthews and watching a guy that has good size, got good movement. I think he's one of the more underrated receivers in you know in the entire NFL. Uh, to see him get the open market, I'll be very very intrigued to see what kind of contract he gets and what team he ends up on. All right, so thank you very much for the responses. And the good thing is, you don't have to wait very long for everything to play out again. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, the negotiation period with representatives for soon-to-be unrestricted free agents is underway. Free agency kicks off Wednesday at 4 p.m. Make sure to stay tuned to PhiladelphiaEagles.com and our digital channels all week long. For Fran Duffy and Alex Smith, I'm Chris McPherson. You've been listening to the Eagles Insider Podcast.